Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's why I kind of got into the mortgage industry to begin with. I was like, man, um, I purchased two homes at this point. I have no idea how the home buying process works. If I could just do some sort of level of like of teaching folks, and training them like I think I'd be good at this this job but then compiled with being rejected by the company that I work for and so I was like man I'm really just like a number like you know folks are just a number out here if I can get if if I'm getting declined by my own number I can't imagine how other folks out here are being treated so like at that point I was like kind of out like hey I'm going to be the like the, the best lender there is like I'm going to be like the, the best person out there I want to be the person that I wish I would have met as a first time second time third time home buyer that can break down and explain this process. So that, that, that kind of started um, my journey. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. You need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split it into two parts. There's so many nuggets. It's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. But, okay, so if somebody is looking, they do want to buy their first property. I'm a huge component of house hacking as your mm-hmm. first property, if that's the, you know, especially when you can get in at three and a half or 5%, just depending mm-hmm. as now. Um, Cause I always think having that extra income and being able to either live rent or mortgage free, it just mm-hmm. frees up a lot more cash flow in your life. You have more disposable income to save for investing in other things, or just your lifestyle can improve drastically having that extra income coming in. But whether someone just want, is going to get their single family house or two to four, whatever they're going to get, what are some tips or strategies that you think someone could implement now in today's market um, to be kind of competitive or where, how they should look for their properties? So wh- whenever I talk to someone that's looking to buy a home, I like to walk them through this, this eight step process. And Step one is like as corny as it may sound, it's just like, hey, believe. Like, you know, if you if you think there's you think the man's out to get you, if you think you'll never be able to afford a house, whatever it is, you definitely won't be able to if you're if you're declining yourself, yeah, you definitely won't be able to 
two parts of the house. But I'm also not on the side that says, hey, if you you if you don't believe, it won't happen. If you do believe, it will happen. Like you got to do more than than believe. But at least believe is step one of this process. And I, I kind of talked about it before. Like step step two is to actually like set your goals. Like why do you want to own a home? Like that's that's very important. Like you're buying a home just because some folks said, hey, generational wealth, buy a home. Is that why you buy a home? Like set some actual goals. So whether it's like house hacking. So there's a there's multiple ways to house hack. You can buy the multifamily property. If you're looking to buy the multifamily property, my recommendation is to start with the higher highest number of units possible for a residential loan. That's that's four units. I know that's not available in everybody's um area but if you can start with four units because from a underwriting perspective it's always easier to go from a, a four unit to a three unit or a two unit than it is to go from a two unit to a four unit that just that just really doesn't happen i'm going from a two to four in the same local area even if you legitimately are moving into that property to house act or you can do kind of what i did i house hacked. i was in the military at the time so my thing was i want a property that's very secure so i house hacked with with the condo two bedroom two bath condo um so like well, maybe you're somebody that, that travels a lot. Maybe you're a consultant or something like that. So maybe you want to look at properties that are like townhomes and condos that you have to do low maintenance on. Or like you're like, hey, I just want to buy a single family home, test it out for a bit and maybe add it to my portfolio. You can maybe buy a single family property, live in that property for a year, then move out and buy another single family property for 3% down using a conventional loan. Or maybe just like, hey, I just want to buy a home and live there. It's all good. That's what I want to do. So it's important to establish like what your goals are, not what somebody in the break room said, not what somebody said on the internet was a cool thing to do. Because most of the folks talk about house hacking on the internet. I've never done it because I can tell by the way they, they talk about it being like so easy being a landlord. They don't talk about any issues with landlords. It's like, hey, four unit property, live rent free, get your feet up. Like, no, it doesn't doesn't work that way um, so 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 two is like actually like set set your goals so we've got you've got your goals then three is legitimately like set a budget like talking to so many people that are looking to to, to buy a home as a lender folks will come in and they'll be like hey i want to qualify for a four hundred thousand dollar home five hundred thousand dollar home i'll be like okay cool i'll do the prequal and then so once i do the pre-qualification i'll always ask this question like hey do you know what your monthly payment is? And they'd be like, on that on a four hundred thousand home, and they'd be like, no, I don't. And so, like, you need to know what that payment is because what happens with a lot of folks is, let's say that payment is three thirty five hundred dollars, but you're paying like twenty five hundred dollars for rent. And so that's a yeah. number that's comfortable for you. And if I'd asked you before um, doing the math, like, what was a comfortable monthly payment for you? You probably would have said maybe $25, $2,700. But now what happens is since you wanted a $400,000 home, you've already gone on Zillow. You've been looking at homes. You've looked at the stuff that's around the homes. You've looked at, you've looked at the communities. You've looked at the, the countertops. And you've, you've fallen in love with neighborhoods with $400,000 homes. So yeah, so like no matter what I say the payment is, you're going to talk yourself into it. I, I, can, I can do $3,500, but you're not factoring in that that's just the house payment. You're not factoring in the maintenance. You're not factoring in all this other stuff around. So your monthly payment is thirty-five, but there may be another four hundred, five hundred dollars in bills that you're not that you didn't pay as a renter. So it's, it's so it's really your living expenses now four thousand dollars, and you've gone up from twenty-five for your rent to four thousand dollars, and you move forward the purchase, and now you're you're up you're upset, and th that's why a lot of times I think folks. Um, complained about home ownership being so expensive is because they did not start with their budget in mind 
from a from a monthly payment standpoint, they had a home price and worked their way and just the payment was the payment. So I recommend folks starting with your your rent, if that's a comfortable number, and working backwards to find out what that equates to as far as the home price. Real quickly, how you do it is you take your rent, find a number that's like a 70% of, of your rent. So let's say we're talking about a you pay $2,000 for rent. You want to basically go to um, go to Google, type in mortgage calculator, and a mortgage calculator will pop up. And you can literally put in a loan amount that will get you like a, a monthly principal and interest payment that's like 70. You want to play around with the numbers until you get a number that's like 70% of like 2000 So until you get like a principal and interest payment that's like $1,400, that's the math, right? And so now from there, you, you're like, okay, so a, a let's say a $200,000 home will get me a $1,400 a month principal and interest payment. Now you just go to like realtor.com, zillow.com and start looking at $200,000 homes uh, in the in the zip code you're looking at. And from there, you figure out one or two things. You're like, eh, these homes are not in areas I want to to live in, or maybe it's a maybe it's a cool place. Let's say it's a place you'd be willing to to live in, or their homes are up to you like your your standards, or whatever. Even though your your first home shouldn't be your dream home. From there, you want to go into there and just look at the property taxes. And so you figure out what the annual property taxes are for those those homes. Then divide by twelve. You figured out what your taxes are. So now you have your principal and interest payment. You have your your taxes. And insurance is a little bit harder, but I just say at, at like 150 or use whatever is on Zillow for your insurance. And that that's how you kind of work your way backwards to figure out what the the monthly monthly payment is. Um, so next, so let's let's say we figured out that a, a $200,000 home is is good to go for us. I know this probably applies to no one's market where there's a $200,000 home that works for them, but let just 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 uh, just work with me here. Then, so you want to legitimately find out like how much money you will need to buy the home. So depending on the loan program, if you're USDA, VA, uh, NACA, 0% down, it's going to be your down payment. Conventional, 3% down for a, a, a one-unit property, 5% down for a multifamily property, FHA, 3.5% down, one to four units. So now we figure out what our down payment is. Now what you got to do is figure out what your closing costs are. So a lot of times you hear folks say, hey, save between two and 7% of the sales price. Not bad, horrible advice, right? Because <laughs> let's let's say you're looking at this $200,000 home. Well, 2% is is $4,000. 7% is $14,000. So like, which which is it? There's, there's a huge like delta between yeah. those numbers. Just just ask a lender. A lender will know that number exactly, like what, what the percentage is. Because your, your closing costs are just a percentage of the sales price of the home because they're based on uh, title fees, insurance, and taxes. It's just a percentage number. Your, your lender will know what that number is. So let's say we figured out you're going to need $24,000 to buy this home. The next step is to establish an actual budget, not saying, hey, I think I think I have 12 months. I need to save $24,000 in 12 months, $2,000 a month. I can do it. No, you need to actually write down some numbers on paper, like write down what your rent is, write down what your car payment is, your insurance, blah, blah, blah. And you need to see how much money you legitimately have left over after your your um your um your your paycheck, right? Because you'll see one or two things. You'll see that that number is a lot less than two thousand dollars, or you'll see that hey, okay, I can I can make this work for two thousand dollars. If it's a lot less than two thousand dollars, maybe you need to get like a um a side hustle. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to seriously explore down payment assistance. Maybe you need to ask a, a family member for help with the down payment. But you need to legitimately establish a budget on paper don't just don't just wait looking to build wealth with real estate 
or you all tap out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you were a little different from the crowd, that you never liked following the status quo, and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity? You want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street? Well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks mentorship program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space and then in turn increasing your own net worth. Starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another and you get the point. So increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way. It's all a part of the journey. So if you think big, but you want to start small, and if you know multifamily real estate is the way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom, abundance, and legacy, but you just need someone to guide you step-by-step, step, and you want to be surrounded by other people on the same journey, doing the same thing, then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the Microfamily Mavericks, and I look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside. So now back to the show. And then the next step you want to do, I always say, just kind of, you figured out all this stuff numbers wise. Next, you want to just step back and kind of, you know, I would say like, woosah, like figure out like, I've done all the math. I've run the numbers. Let me check again. Am I still ready to buy, to buy a home? Like, am I in a relationship? If I talk to my fiance or my, my loved one about it, or do they want to live like in Dallas for the next three to five years or, or own a property in Dallas for the next three to five years? Am I stable financially? Like, is all that stuff good to go? You need to figure out like, are you mentally ready to buy a home. Then next I say, now that you've done all that, now is when you want to actually sit down and talk to a lender because you 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 and go through the process of getting pre-qualified. Don't be scared to have your, your credit pulled. It's not a huge deal. Like people in credit repair make inquiries out to be the devil because that just helps with business. Like getting your credit pulled is not a huge deal. It's like a two to four percent or oh, two to four point credit hit. And it essentially goes away after like like two months. And then once you figured out like, hey, I'm actually like pre-qualified, I'm good to go. Or maybe you just want to want to test the water to see what your credit is, how much you can qualify for. Um, you've got that, you've talked to a lender to actually verify everything we talked about in steps one through six. Then like step, uh, step I think we're step eight of the process. Now you finally want to sit down and talk to a realtor. Like to me, there's no reason to talk to a realtor before you, you do like those six steps, which just involve you establishing your goals and your budgets. And then you get with the realtor to say, hey, um, now we can start looking for homes or maybe you get with the realtor to say, hey, this is my plan to buy a home in the next three to six months. Can you point me to some areas that may fit my my criteria? So those are like the, the eight steps I like to lay out for folks when it comes to purchasing their, their first home. And so I think that applies no matter what the market is, just establishing those eight steps will, will help uh, anybody. Yeah, and I that was so much, so much gems and so much information in just those eight steps. And I really think the very first, the beginning, like believing that you can buy a house, some mm -hmm. people who grow up in cities where everybody rents, like yeah. New York, you know, you don't see other people buying houses. Or yeah. if you do, like it's because they live in another state and they're not anybody you know personally, or they're just like lucky they live, they got this house for $100,000 somewhere or, or whatever it is. Um, So 
to people who are living in a city and just everybody rents and it, you don't have these conversations with your mm-hmm. peers about home ownership because it's not something anyone's looking to do because renting is so like normalized. And, and I think that makes home ownership become a like ideal, like utopia that is so hard and far to get to that you don't even start the process of going through all of this. So that believing is a big blockage to even getting started at all. And, but the whole budget thing like that is, you can't just like, I I completely get it. You just start looking on Zillow randomly yeah. at these $400,000, houses. And then when you start looking at the houses that are in your budget, the bigger, the nicer houses are in stuck in your mind and you're forever yeah. looking because you're comparing to previous houses that you fell in love with and you'll never be happy or satisfied with the properties that you can see that are actually in your budget. So I think starting yeah. with the budget first and doing the numbers before you even start looking at anything, because that's the first way, that's the fastest way to like not buy anything because mm-hmm. you're just, you want this perfection. I think people need to realize the first, there's no perfect first house. And like you said, your first home shouldn't be your dream home anyway, right? That should be a stepping stone to, you know, what you're going to do next. But you're always going to have to make some type of sacrifice in that first home and figure out what is the most important for you within the budget that you have. Like maybe you buy a condo instead because you don't really need a backyard. You know what I mean? Like, because that'll give you some other things. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot to think about in that. yeah, and I'd say like 80% of people who I talk to, when I ask them the question, like, what do you think the monthly payment is? They they, they don't know. It's just, you know, because most folks, they start with that that number and like, and just work their way backwards. And if it, it fits, it fits. Because as a as a lender, the only goal of the lender is to, is to basically figure out what you can qualify for. Like as, as a, back when I was a lender, like I would, I would, I would always ask that question just because I wanted people's gears to be thinking, but it's actually like discriminatory for a lender to say, to say, Hey, I know you can qualify for this number, but what can you really afford? But I, I would always t- try to like plant the seed so that people do the math, uh, math on their own. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even, even that the down payment um, being creative with that and trying to plan out your budget for that. I know for my down payment, my first one, yeah, I saved, but I also took a loan from a retirement account. And I was able to take that loan. It's not the same as the withdrawal. So people are always worried about taking money out of their retirement, but taking a loan from it is not a withdrawal. Like your money's still growing as if it was still in there. So you're paying interest against it. So there's there's got a lot of other ways to think about that now. And right now we have a lot of resources and information out there to be able to do take make the steps that are necessary to build wealth through real estate and through purchasing that first property, whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. But I know, especially a lot of blacks and minorities in this country, we have not had the generational wealth previously because our ancestors were not able to buy real estate. Um, What do you think, what are your thoughts on how like real estate impacts like the wealth gap today and is there a possibility of us closing it if we all start being active about purchasing real estate yeah so if we so i looked this up uh today and i was because I was, I was actually doing some i was actually doing it so i was preparing for an episode for like columbus day so i looked up today like hey i wonder what the ownership breakdowns are for for like all all, all races right and so um 
for white Americans is like 72, it's like 72%. For Asians is like 68%. For Hispanics is like 50%. And for um, African Americans is like 44%. Yeah, 44% as of early 2023. And it was basically like 42% uh, back in 1968, prior to the the Fair Housing Act being passed, so it's just like it hasn't it hasn't inched at all. But the so I point out the Columbus Day uh, thing um, because I was like, huh, I wonder what it is amongst the indigenous population. And so the indigenous population is like 56.7 percent, and which I thought was was crazy because I did a bunch of research on them, and so um basically up until like 1992, it was almost impossible. For for you know, for Native Americans to purchase homes based on um, how the land was set up in trust and so forth, and so a lot of times we look at like okay, it's like hey, white the white population had like a four hundred year head start. That's it's understandable, forty four percent, seventy two percent, but uh, Native American the Native American population is like fifty six percent, which I thought was crazy, even though they couldn't really purchase homes until nineteen. 92 so like what is like what is holding like like what is holding us back as, as a pop as a population like and I, I think it's a lot of like you said the knowledge and the stigma and if you don't know anybody that owned a home you're more you're less likely to buy a home and you have this negative perception of of maybe someone's out to get you you know maybe um you don't know the guidelines or you're scared you think home ownership is so hard and it's so so scary are you enjoying this episode then stop what you're doing right now head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps our show get pushed to more people who are looking for the information that we're sharing here. We have to share the wealth. If you listen to us on YouTube, make sure you like the episode that you're listening to right now and subscribe to our channel. Then share the channel with somebody else. There are people out there looking for the information you're listening to right now. So make sure you share it with someone who you know needs it. Now back to the show. I purchased my first home at, at 21. And the reason I, I did that was because home ownership was normal to me. Like growing up between like one and, and 17 before I went off to, to college, only one year I can remember as a kid did we live in a property that my parents did not own. So like when it came time to, when I graduated college, I turned 21, joined, um, get out of the, um, what's it, I went to the U.S. Naval Academy. So when you graduate, you have a job in the military. And so when it came time to go to my first duty station, to me, it was just normal. Like, hey, uh, my parents own a home. It's time for me to, to buy a home. And when we talk about, like, closing that income gap, it's the it's the information and the applying the knowledge. So my parents had owned properties, so I house out my first property. And what they did was they got me off to a, a great financial start. I, As I mentioned, I had purchased a, a condo, two bedroom, two bathroom. I wasn't living completely rent free, but basically my living expense was, was $400 a month for, for five years. When I was in the military, I had the same roommate mm. for, for five years. And, and uh, interestingly enough, he did not even know I owned the, owned the property. Right? Well, uh, <laughs> which is, which is, like I always see that, I always see that meme online, but like, but like he legitimately did not know I owned the property, but there's a whole- Wait, so what if when something was broken, did y'all say, oh, we got to call the landlord? So what would you say? Yeah, yeah. So so once again, it's it's my my parents gave me the information that I, I needed to use. So my parents essentially, he thought my, he, he thought my parents owned the property like okay. the whole time. So when there was an issue, like he would, he would call my parents, right? 
And then so my parents would go like, okay, this is what needs to be. And he would send the he would send the income or he would send the, the rent to my parents. My parents would just send the income right into my my bank account. And so, but whenever whenever there was an issue, like they would just call me and say, hey, this needs to be fixed here and there. And once again, going back to that the knowledge, my parents were like, hey, you know, get something that's easy to maintain. It was a condo, so you know there there wasn't like a bunch of stuff to fix. There was like lights. I think you owe your parents some back property management pay. Yeah, well, yeah, that was yeah, it was yeah. Like I said, yeah, that yeah, yeah, I pro probably pro pro probably do. But yeah, they they save me that that yeah that that ten percent uh a month. But um, yeah, just just something like something simple, simple like that. You know, building wealthy real estate can definitely like help close that gap because fifty percent of of most America's wealth is through real estate. Um, that's just because real estate just it, it always goes up. Like if you look at any chart, a home price is going back to however far you want to look. Even if you look at the 2008 financial crisis, there was clearly there was a huge dip with home prices there. But home prices just go up, up and up for for various reasons: um, supply and demand, inflation, etc. And so, in home ownership, at the worst case scenario, is just a hedge against inflation. And I always say, you know, you're going to have a living expense no matter what. Like folks want to argue, is a home an asset or not? I always say, like, or your is your primary residence an asset? Or not? I just say, who cares? Like you're going to have a living expense no matter what. So you like you can you can pay it to somebody else, you can pay it to yourself, or you can have somebody pay you. You might as well, yeah. to me, pay pay yourself. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely because it's one of those expenses every single person is going to have. Um, for some people, for the rest for the rest of their lives, or for at least a huge portion of your life. So, you might as well work on owning a home and um, building that wealth with yourself. Worst worst case scenario, it's a, a hedge against inflation, and um, you're just paying yourself in a savings account and building equity. Yeah. And I and I still really believe if we protect the properties the correct way, then it can be passed on generationally, uh -huh. especially if we don't lose it unnecessarily. Um, we have the correct legal structure. So that's what, you know, this show is all about is mm -hmm. showing people how to do all of that, that kind of stuff. Um, how did you even get started in real estate besides like growing up in a house and buying your first property younger just because that was what you knew? So, mm -hmm. but- this whole going into lending, becoming a broker and helping other people get into home ownership. Um, because I know from seeing your social media, you're really big on helping people get that first property mm -hmm. and, you know, demystifying that stigma that comes around what getting your first property looks like, like the whole eight steps you just outlined. Mm -hmm. That was phenomenal for people, someone who didn't ever hear that before. So where does that stem from? Like I, I, I did see that there was some a pain point there that yeah, yeah. kind of catapulted you into this whole mission. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like kind of like my 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 moment or like my origin story, I like to say is basically about seven years ago I got into the real estate industry. And it simply was my I was I was purchasing what at the time would be my third home with my fiance at the time. And so I just become a I just become a lender like one month before that for that time frame, and so I was like, hey, why don't I apply with a loan with my my company? I talked with my manager about the entire process, and I was like, okay, this is the income, this is how this works. Now, you know, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm a, I'm an expert, even though I've been in the business for one year, and I think everything's uh, going to be good to go. And the whole my process usually takes about like thirty days, and so like fourteen days before we're set to close, like my manager called me and was like, hey. Uh, we're not going to be able to move forward with the loan. The income doesn't work. So I'm like, the the income that 
I talked to you guys about before I even applied for the loan. That income? Um, and they were like, he was like, yeah. And so this is two weeks before we said to move into our house, but also like six weeks before we're scheduled to get married. So like a huge, like just like buying a home, getting married, two of the most stressful things you can go through were happening at the very same time. And it was just, it was just so horrible. And so one, so it's a couple of things I mentioned. It was my, my, the third home I was buying and I still did not understand the home buying process. So I was like, and that's why I kind of got into the mortgage industry to begin with. Because I was like, man, um, I purchased two homes at this point. I have no idea how the home buying process works. If I could just do some sort of level of like of teaching folks and training them, like I think I'd be good at this this job. But then compiled with being rejected by the company that I work for and then basically doing no due diligence and just kind of giving me lip service, not even, it, it was just so crazy that my own company would decline my loan, even though they knew like they, they knew what I made. My manager clearly knew what I made. And so I was like, man, I'm really just like a number. Like, you know, folks are just a number out here. If I can get, if if I'm getting declined by my own number, I can't imagine how other folks out here are being treated. So like at that point, I was like kind of out like, hey, I'm going to be the like the, the best lender there is. Like I'm going to read the guidelines. I'm going to learn how to do, I'm going to learn about the economy. I'm going to be like the, the best person out there. I want to be the person that I wished I would have met as a first time, second time, third time home buyer that can break down and explain this process. So that that, that kind of started um my journey into like, you know, getting into the, the guidelines and so forth. And so um and I'm kind of like a guideline nerds. And so I, I know a lot about the home buying process and a lot of like one-off things that a lot of folks don't know, I think, due to that scenario. So that was like back in 2017. Um then 2020 I kind of I was I was bored during the pandemic and I just kind of got online and just like hey let me start. Let me start. Now, first, when I got online, I was like, I, I would see all this stuff online, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's not that's not accurate. That's not." I'd be like, "Oh, that's not that's not true either." Like people just post stuff. Like that's not that's not accurate. That's not true. You like you you'll see the house hacking stuff. You'll see people just talking about stuff that is just not accurate at all. So I was like, "Why don't I just start posting like some accurate stuff on online?" So um, yeah, like the first so you just half, started I'm, your online process in 2020. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, the first, yeah, like the first year and a half, I just posted anonymously. Like I didn't, I didn't have my face online at all. And then one day, I was just like, hey, why not just put put a face out there <laughs> uh, as well? But uh, yeah, I just got on in 2020, just because I saw a lot of bogus stuff online that I just knew wasn't true. So I just tried to dispel um, a lot of like the 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 nonsense I see from kind of the like I, I call it, like the 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 run the play crowd where they're just like, hey, this is this is this is uh, how. Yeah, I did. I just try to dispel a lot of a lot of the nonsense I see online and put out just factual, actionable information for folks to folks to use. Okay, guys, don't kill me, but I'm gonna have to cut this episode short. This is too juicy, so stay tuned for the next episode that airs, and you can hear the rest of our conversation. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest. Make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, 
and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.